And good afternoon, Pittsburgh Steelers fans. Welcome to another episode of Steelers Brunch with Tony. I'm your host, Tony Defio, as always. Thank you for joining me on this fine and a bit cooler than last week's Saturday afternoon. And uh, before I get started, as always, I want to encourage you to check out our Behind the Steel Curtain YouTube channel. And of course, our all of our uh, audio podcasts on our and any audio pl- platform that you choose. And of course, check out Behind the Steel Curtain where we bring you news commentary and film breakdown so please check that all out i want to keep that all short and sweet today because there's a lot i wanted to cover and thank you to everybody in the live chat for joining me nathaniel zarati steelers pittsburgh and i hope that many more will join me before the show is over so before i get started about talking about the steelers and everything going on with them their awesome five and no start i'm going to talk about the next Steeler, antonio brown uh as you know, he was suspended for the first half of the 2020 season, and there was speculation when this when this suspension was over as to where he was going to land. Seattle was a, a contender for the longest time. Baltimore, uh, both Russell Wilson and, and and Lamar Jackson lobbied for him publicly, but the last place I thought he would land was uh, Tampa Bay because, you know. Back before the uh, before the start of the season, the Buccaneers head coach, the ex-offensive coordinator of the Steelers, Bruce Arians, said, eh, we don't really have any use for him or however he said it. He was pretty emphatic about, about uh, them not acquiring Antonio Brown, despite the fact that Tom Brady spent the, the entire offseason lobbying for him to come to Tampa after Brady signed with the Buccaneers. Um, but – after Arians shot that down, if you go back to 2019, when uh, Arians was, was a victim of, of Antonio Brown's uh, season-long bridge-burning tour, I mean, he pretty much burned every bridge imaginable in 2019 after he left Pittsburgh. It, it just it, Again, it didn't seem like, like Tampa was, was the destination. But on Friday, it was announced that, that – Brown, once his suspension is lifted in, on, in week nine, will be a Buccaneer. I mean, he's going to sign. I think he's expected to sign early uh, next week. And then he will be a Buccaneer starting week nine. And uh, the one wild card in all that is Tom Brady. That, that's probably why he, why Brown wound up in Tampa. Because I've, I've said many times that the franchise quarterback, the highly respected and highly accomplished fr- franchise quarterback, on any team is the most powerful member of that organization besides the owner. He's more powerful than the head coach, more powerful than any other teammate. What the franchise quarterback wants, he usually gets. So uh, they only spent about a week or so together in, in New England last year. And, but I guess that was enough of an impression on Tom Brady that he, he kept insisting on, on AB coming to Tampa and I, I can't really blame him, despite all of his success. I mean, he's arguably the greatest quarterback ever, certainly the most accomplished in terms of championships. Uh, Brady hasn't had many toys to play with on the caliber of a of the caliber of, of a Antonio Brown. I mean, he's had a lot of nice little uh, slot receivers, no name receivers, and of course he's had Gronk, Randy Moss for a couple of years there, but he's but not very many players uh, the caliber of an Antonio Brown. So. Uh, I can certainly see why he would want that. And if if the Buccaneers 
I mean, if Brady, or I'm sorry, if, if Brown is the player he was in, even in 2018, I mean, Buccaneers are getting the modern day Jerry Rice. There's uh, no questioning his talent. If, if it's still, if, if, you know, unless he's lost his fastball, uh, the Buccaneers have gotten themselves a, a quite a weapon. And, and, and to go along with, with uh, Chris Gob, Godwin, Mike Evans, I mentioned Gronk, who I think maybe has, has kind of lost it, but still you have to account for him. Leonard Fournette, you know, I, I think this is a collection of offensive talent that few people saw playing together uh, as recently as the start of the year. I don't think anybody expected Leonard Fournette to wind up in Tampa, uh, Gronk, uh, of course, Brady last spring. So it's uh, it's quite a development. I mean, this is looking more and more like like the uh, dream team that Vince Young thought the Eagles would be about 10 years ago. So. I, I, you know, Tampa Bay is pretty, pretty darn good overall. They're, they're four and two. They're in first place in the a- NFC South. So this could be quite the wild card, quite the X factor for them moving forward. And as a Steelers fan, and I'm sure you might agree, uh, I'm glad it, it wasn't Baltimore and I'm glad it wasn't another contender in the AFC. I can, or any team that the Steelers are going to play this year. If it's Tampa, it's Tampa. If, if it winds up Pittsburgh against Tampa in the Super Bowl, uh, I think we'd all sign up for that. Antonio Brown or no Antonio Brown, it would, be, it would be quite the story. So that's just something I wanted to touch on pretty, uh, pretty quickly and, and before moving on. But I think it's a pretty interesting development. So we'll see. We'll see what happens there with with AB if he's if he's uh, if he has his life together I and mean, he's been pretty uh, pretty quiet this off season. Um, or I'm sorry, he's he's quiet all throughout the off season and so far during the regular season. So. We talk, we talk a lot about his mental faculties, but he, he's aware enough to know that, that he has to be, comport himself in a certain way in order to, uh, to, to get back into the NFL, to get back into the good graces of the likes of Roger, Roger Goodell and all the owners and coaches out there. So uh, we'll see what happens there. I, I think it's a pretty interesting, interesting place for him to wind up. So, But that's that. And now I want to talk a little bit. Briefly about the Steelers and the Browns last Sunday, the Steelers won 38 to seven and what a glorious day that was. Um, as far as uh, teams to beat that way. So uh, thoroughly, I think the Browns are right up at the t- top of the list for me, because as I said on Monday with, uh, with Brian on, on the hangover, I've, the, for whatever reason, people have just, or they desperately want Cleveland to be a contender and the Browns have been pretty vocal about, wanting respect and, and, you know, guys like Baker Mayfield and OBJ and, and Jarvis Landry and Miles Garrett, all those guys, you know, we want our respect, but it seems to me like they're more worried about getting respect and earning respect and going out there and, 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 and getting it by, by winning. You don't, you don't get respect by people uh, proclaiming your, your excellence on the internet or by proclaiming yourself excellent. You, you gain respect by, beating the teams that would will earn you that respect. And they've played two of those teams so far this year, Cleveland, and, I'm sorry, Baltimore and Pittsburgh. And both of those teams wiped the, wiped the mat with them, wiped the, wiped the floor with them. So until they, they can prove that they, they can uh, beat, beat, you know, true contenders, then the Browns are never going to have anybody's respect. They, you know, they might have a lot of fans because of hard knocks. I have an old friend, who just a few years ago was a big time Steeler fan. She was a Steeler fan for years. And now all of a sudden she's cheering for the Browns, even, even last week. I mean, she wanted, wanted the Browns to win that game. And it's like, what happened? She said, Oh, I have a soft spot for them after watching them on hard knocks. So 
they do have a lot of fans out there because of that show and because they've been so downtrodden for a number of years. But, you know, they're never really going to be uh, a true uh, they're never really going to be on anybody's radar as far as a contender until they go out there and, and get the job done on the field, you know? So it was, it was, a, it was a nice win and it was, it was, I was impressed with, the, with how the Steelers dominated physically, both on offense and defense, you know, the, they, they controlled the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. Really? I mean, Miles Garrett, who, who's arguably having a better season than TJ Watt, he was contained by, Shooks Okorafor and whoever else he, he he went up against. I mean, you know, kudos to the right side of that offensive line, the the the, the young side of the offensive line. Uh, between Shooks and, and Kevin Dotson, the fourth round pick, they had four starts be- between them coming into the year, and, and you haven't heard a peep of, of negative uh, feedback or negative talk from either about either one of their, those guys so far this year. I mean, it's just, it's just been excellent. And they, they kept Garrett in check and uh, the Steelers offense kept the Browns running game in check. Like I kind of thought they would, I thought, I didn't, I didn't think they would do as well as they did. I mean, they, they were really, really dominant and, you know, they were laying the wood all afternoon. So it was, uh, it was, it was fun to watch and, 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 how about this offense? I mean, the defense, we, we know what the defense can do. It's going to be a challenge for them moving forward without Devin Bush. I'll get in. I'll get into that more a little bit later, but, but, um, Oh, by the way, I see some more people joining the live chat. There's Jerry Cherry band, Joe McCamey, Ezra, Dave Shipley, Z smooth. What a name. I think that's going to be my, my, uh, dating profile, my new, uh, dating profile name. Um, T-Money, my friend Terry, awesome. So welcome to everybody. Odessa Hall, Malik Sinatra, welcome to everybody for, thanks, I'm sorry, say, thank you to everybody for joining me. So anyway, um, where was I? It's Steelers offense. The defense, again, I'm going to get more into Devin Bush in a bit, but but uh, how about the offense and, and how, it, it, it's it's an explosive offense, but it doesn't feel like it's an explosive offense because they're just so efficient. They just, they just move, you know, with uh, moving the ball up and down the field and, and scoring points. And they haven't scored less than 26 points yet this year. They, they're averaging 31.2 points a game. And it's almost like, dare I say, the Patriots offense in, in their heyday of, of a few years ago where they just, you know, at the end of the day, you looked up you're, and, you, and, and you, you were down 36 to 14, but it just didn't feel like like they were like you were getting bludgeoned to death. It, it was just like death by a thousand cuts, you know, with Brady just finding the underneath man the whole game, it seemed like. So that's what it feels like right now. I mean, Ben Roethlisberger was 14 and 22 for 162 yards and a touchdown. You know, I mean, he, he was almost a, a, a pedestrian. He just seemed like he was he, he was barely a participant, but. I think it's just it's just his presence that makes that whole offense go. I mean, I know it's a it's a cliche to say, and and and, and no no kidding, Tony Ben Roethlisberger makes it all go. But I, that's kind of what my point was all last season, all during the off season. In in the article I wrote the other day, it's like it's just his. You know, people were talking about you know what was going on with the game plan last year. What Randy Fickton, what was he thinking? Why didn't he have a better plan? He just didn't have a good quarterback. I mean, we I think we're 
it's becoming more and more clear that Macy Rudolph might not be that the, the guy that we were hoping he would be. Certainly, Doc Hodges and Josh Dobbs, all the, you know, all those those players. They just, if you look at at, at history, when guys like Ben go down, the the team usually the offense usually struggles. So, I mean, I'm not an X's and O's guy, but I, I know enough to know that you take that guy out of the offense, it's going to struggle. You put him back in there, regardless of, of whatever wrinkles you want to want to discuss and whatever weapons he may have, he's going to make that offense better. So it's uh and, and I like the fact that speaking of the offense and speaking of those new wrinkles, it seems like it's all coming together for, for Ben right now, for Ben Roethlisberger. It's, you know, he's got, he's got Fickner who, who he's, he's worked with forever. And now they have Matt Canada in there and he's added his influence to the offense. And it seems like he's thinking the game better now than, than he has uh, during his entire career. Maybe, part of that was being away from football for a year. Maybe, maybe he, he, um, you know, he watched the game unfold from the sidelines for most of the last year. And maybe he, he gained some new insight just by that. Maybe he gained a coach's insight by, by watching, uh, watching other people do his perform his craft. So again, it's, it's, uh, you know, he has weapons galore. He has Juju, he has Chase Claypool now, Deontay Johnson, two great tight ends, you know, James Connors playing better than ever. He's got all these weapons. He's got a really good offensive line. Um, and he seems to really know, know the offense like the back of his hand, which, which is uh, a testament to him. And, and the fact that he, you know, obviously he's, he's a 17 year vet. He better know the offense really well. So it's a, uh, it, it almost feels like, I mean, I, I, I hate to say this, but it almost feels like this offense is, is, impossible it's going to be impossible to, to stop uh for may, maybe more than a a game here and there throughout the year it's just i i don't see this offense failing to score less than 21 points again knock on wood in in the vast majority of its games in 2020 so it's uh it's going to be interesting to see how how much better the offense gets as the season goes along and how, how many more of those wrinkles are thrown in with Canada and I kill and uh, whoever else is involved with, with forming that game plan with Ren, Randy Fickner. I mean, cause you know, we talk about how there, we talked about how there, there was no training camp and you couldn't have OTAs and, and you could kind of see, even though the offense was producing early on, they struggled a bit, you know, on third downs and in the red zone. And now it's like, what are they six of their last seven or something like that? Seven of eight and the last eight trips inside the red zone. I mean, to really, playing at a high level. And I think obviously, obviously you have to also uh, you have to acknowledge the fact that they had four straight home games. I think that, that helped the offense. I mean, most offenses function much better at home than they do on the road. So uh, that, that played a part in, in it too, I'm sure. But, but yeah, I'm excited to see where, where this offense goes over the last 11 games. Cause I think it could, I think it, it, it could be maybe the best unit in the NFL when I, I mean, maybe even better than the chiefs when all is said and done. And I know the chiefs are, are pretty, high bar to, 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 to clear, but you know, so that's, that's that. And I wanted to get in a, a bit to uh, Devin Bush and how that's going to be a, a pretty big, a pretty big loss for him. I don't have to tell you, tell you that. I mean, it's when I saw him go out, was it late in the first half last week? Yeah. Late in the first half, I saw him limp off the field. I thought, okay, I was hoping I, I, I knew it just seemed like it, it, it was, it wasn't going to be a spring, but I was hoping 
for if it was a tear, I was hoping for a meniscus tear because I have like two or three of them from playing volleyball and I didn't even have to have surgery on them. So, you know, if you remember 2016, Ben Roethlisberger suffered a, a meniscus tear and I think he missed what two games or a game and a half, maybe. Cause I mean, there was, a, I think it was a buy in there somewhere. So that, that helped, but, but uh, he didn't miss much time. And, and, you know, he, he came back and, you know, they, they went all the way to the AFC championship game when all was said and done. So I was hoping for that, but, by the end of the game, when you know, reading Twitter and you know, guys like Adam Schefter, as much as people might not like him, and he, he's usually pretty accurate. When he when when I saw that tweet from him that it was a torn ACL, I was like, ah, gosh. Because Devin Bush, I mean, there's a reason why the Steelers off our defense kind of struggled with, with, after Ryan Shazier went down because you need the defense needs a guy in the middle of the field with that kind of athleticism and and, and Shazier. <clears throat> excuse me, did a lot of heavy lifting for them 2014 through the time he got injured, uh, unfortunately, in 2017. I mean, he was their defense. Now, he's you know, he's probably a better player than Devin Bush, or he was a better player than Devin Bush, but still, I mean, Devin Bush was was that prototype athletic inside linebacker that the, that the d- defense was missing for two years. So I don't think he ever came off the field uh, on defense you know, I think he played in every snap up until the time he got hurt uh, so far this year. I, I think he was in on all snap, all 100% of the snaps. I, I have to go back and check that, but I'm pretty sure he he, he played. He was in on every play. I mean, he he, he was the uh, the quarterback, so to speak. He, he he called the signals. I mean, it's a veteran defense, so I think that that's not going to be a, an issue for them. But just just his physical presence and when it meant. And yes, you know, he wasn't making a lot of splash plays through the first five games, four and a half games, unfortunately. But um. He had some, he had a lot of responsibilities that that Steelers are now going to have to rely on several different players to uh to make up for you know coverage you know I mean when you're talking about th- uh, using three or four or five players to make up for for the loss of one player that should tell you uh, the vital role that that he played in that defense and I mean I'm I'm excited to see what Robert Spillane can do he he looked good in one half of football I mean he was a tackling machine he was a he 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 had a really uh, maybe the the hit of the game on uh, Kareem Hunt on a on a screen pass i think it was late in the game or early in the first or sorry late in the third quarter i believe so you know it's exciting but but it, i was excited about Mason Rudolph a- after he played a half against the Seahawks and we saw how that happened how that unfolded for him over the years so uh let's not pretend that 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 there's a uh like, like that Devin Bush and, and Robert Spillane are even in the same ballpark as far as the kind of athlete and, and the kind of uh, pedigree that, that they have. I mean, I think it's going to be tough for, for him to, to, to do the kind of things that Devin Bush did, you know, and, and that's why you have to hope that, that they have a plan with, with, with him and Ulysses Gilbert, the uh, third, he hasn't really played this year, uh, mainly because I guess from what I hear, he wasn't getting the job done on special teams, but hopefully his he, he's he's a great athlete. I mean, six round pick again. That's a, that's a huge difference between a six round pick and a a a top ten pick. So, um, you know they've 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 um, brought in all these hybrid safeties guys like like Edmonds, Marcus Allen, uh, Mika Fitzpatrick's capable of, of doing a lot of freelancing. So they're gonna it's gonna take a village to keep uh, to um. To replace Bush, but 
unlike 2017 when Shazier went down, this is a much better defense. And, I mean, they have playmakers everywhere. They have speed all over the place. Uh, their front seven with getting after the quarterback is just it's it's I think it's unmatched in the NFL. So, you know, it's not going to it's not going to be a death blow for them. It's not going to going to be the reason why they don't win the Super Bowl, I don't think. But it's definitely going to be a, a, a weakness that can be exploited. So it'll be interesting to see how they address that moving forward, how Spillane plays. I mean, I, I don't look for them to make any trades right away. You know, if they can get through the Tennessee game and uh, and Spillane has a good showing and maybe uh, they, they use some other players to pick up his pick up Devin Bush's uh, old responsibilities. If they feel good about that, then then maybe they'll just keep moving forward with that. If it's a disaster, then I wouldn't be surprised if they, if they go out and try to swing a trade for somebody. You hear the name Avery Williamson. I'm not sure. Maybe has maybe he's already been traded. I don't know, but we'll have to. We'll have to see what uh what happens with that. And with that topic, that brings to the to close the first half of Steelers Crunch with Tony. But if you're watching on YouTube, please stay with me. And if you're listening on one of on a, one of our many podcasting platforms that you can find us, please download part two of this episode of Steelers Brunch with Tony. <laughs> 